This episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can head to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly and get bonus content multiple times per week. Thank you to everyone who supports the show, and I look forward to meeting more of you soon. Okay, so the point of this episode is that I want to talk about Silent Hill 3. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about it in a different way than I've already talked about it. Cause I already did the episode where I debate someone who doesn't like the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess for listeners who love that kind of shit, I did get some people telling me like when the format changed, they're like, Oh, I like it when you, when you argue with someone on air, <laughs> um, that's okay. It's not the end of those episodes. I do have some, uh, scheduled where I, it is going to be more of like a debate or something, but you know, with Resident Evil 4 and with Silent Hill 3, those are ones that I do kind of just want to talk about it and, like, just discuss the game with someone and not just, like, debate mm-hmm. <laughs> about yeah. whether or not the game is good. So, I kind of want to return to Silent Hill 3 because I have this big theory about it that mm-hmm. it's, like, peak survival horror. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, it's kind of, like, right at the epicenter of survival horror. Yeah. Yeah of uh, all those classic mechanics all kind of epitomized, I guess, in the one game. Yeah. Yeah, and it's almost like, you know how there's like the median and the mean like mm-hmm. in statistics? Like mm-hmm. it almost feels like, you know, it's not the mean. It's not the average game. I feel like the average game would probably be something really weird that nobody would think of or it'd be a Resident Evil game because like that's just what Resident Evil is. But right. I feel like Silent Hill 3 is kind of like the median like it sits in the center of all these different survival horror games all these different like generations of survival horror and I think that's why like when I first played it I was like losing my mind because I was like this is like every game I like but done really really well and it has its own identity and it's really really different you know even within its own series yeah yeah no i i can i can totally see that it's it's something to easy you can easily jump into having played a bunch of other survival horror games that had come before it and it's weird and unique and cool and great in its own way at the same time yeah exactly I totally pop off about that I am curious like what was your experience with Silent Hill 3 like did you play it back in the day what was it like returning to it etc etc yeah yeah no I uh, played from I, I know 3 for sure I'm, I'm also pretty sure 2 I played 
live, like when they came out originally on mm-hmm. PlayStation 2. Um, loved one, loved two, and yeah, three, I take it a break, you know, from playing the games for a long time. And three, my memory was always my favorite. And then returning back to it, um, I played two and three again on the HD collection, streaming on the PS Now service. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like re, like it reconfirmed that for me. Like I love two and, you know, but, but three, I, I've played like four times, like back to back to back in the past month, just like yeah. kind of have, yeah, like just kind of like, oh, nothing to do or, you know, just have an hour or two to kill. I'll just like run through part of it. But to be fair, from the second time and on, I'm playing it as the developers intended, which is in the Princess Heart costume with the unlimited submachine gun. Yes, yep, that is, <laughs> I, I believe that is how it's supposed to be played. Right, right, it's yeah. purest form. Of course. Uh, you know, it's what they originally wanted to do, and they were just like, audiences aren't ready for this. Right. We'll, we'll leave it as a secret. Yeah, for the true fans, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I kind of have a similar relationship with the game as well, where like, when it came out, I loved it totally lost my mind but i also lost my mind whenever any silent hill game came out like Mm -hmm. i remember uh when the first one came out i have a very vivid memory of standing in a blockbuster video um and i was reading the little like circular they used to do a little like newsprint circular that had like upcoming releases and little blurbs about them and they had one about the first silent hill and it had this super descriptive like text. It was like someone, whoever was writing these blurbs, and I know this feeling because I have been a blurb writer in my time, <laughs> where you're just, you're so used to just writing this really perfunctory bullshit. You use really like hackneyed and cliched language on purpose because you just have to write so many of them. Mm. Um, you know, so in terms of video games, you're like stunning graphics, gripping <laughs> gameplay, you know, just all these stock phrases. But this guy, or if this person, whoever they were, like, they got the blurb for Silent Hill, you know, that assignment, and they were just like, I'm going to channel my inner Edgar Allan Poe. I'm going to, like, set the scene. I'm going to (laughs) describe it to the reader. And me, being this stupid little ass, like, 10-year-old, 9-year-old ever kid, reading it, I was just like, hot damn! (laughs) Like, (laughs) this sounds incredible. Yeah, totally transported. I, I could hear, I could smell, I was there, you know, the wet, rusty, you know, ambiance. Yeah. Yeah. But, so like, I would lose my mind whenever a Silent Hill game came out. But as the years passed, I found that Silent Hill 3 was the one that I kept returning to um, and playing over and over and over. And I just eventually was like, I think this is my favorite. Like, that's the one that I want to go and play and I think that's another thing I'm just realizing with games in general is that like if I'm looking at a series the ones that I want to play the most are probably my favorite you know so that's why like I've totally embraced that Resident Evil 4 is my favorite Resident Evil even though that's like not interesting that's not very interesting of me (laughs) in my like (laughs) yeah that's my own opinion about myself like that's a very boring thing to to feel but it's just like that's got to be the case you know yeah i mean like whatever you like what you like right and it's effective for a reason um yeah but yeah i i agree i uh i played up to i know i played four and homecoming like live as they came out and i don't think i kept up with the series after and yeah i would 
always go back to one, two, and three, and like one and three, and then eventually three, the kind of one out as my favorite. Yeah. Well, so three is interesting to me, and the reason why I think it's like this peak survival horror, or it's kind of like, to me, it's like the survival horror game to go back to, is I feel that it sits right at the center of a bunch of different design trends and ideas within survival horror. Mm. So like, I kind of actually talked about this in the last episode, or maybe it was the episode before, I can't remember, but... If you're looking at survival horror, there's like two waves of it, and there's also like within that two paths. Like, there's first gen survival horror, which is all on the PS1. And then there's like second gen survival horror, which is mostly on the PS2 and GameCube. And within that, there's kind of like two paths there's the Resident Evil path and the Silent Hill path. <clears throat> and I think a lot of people sort of view those as all these like hard delineations, but they're actually not like the borders between all those things are very, very porous and soft. And I think what's interesting about Silent Hill 3 is that it kind of takes the Silent Hill 2 idea. Like it's, it's similar to Silent Hill 2 in a lot of ways, mechanically and just the <clears throat> way it looks and all those sorts of things. But it actually takes a big influence from the other side of the fence. Like it is a little more action oriented. The combat is a little more intense, but it's still very much like a Silent Hill game. And I think also for the era that it came out, you know, it came out in 2003. Uh, I think that was sort of the moment that these games started to be a little more polished and a little less rough around the edges. So you kind of are hitting this moment where it's like you have all the ideas of survival horror established. There's really not a lot new that comes after it within the subgenre. And you've got like the design, the polish, the computing power to make something that is actually like really, you know, complete. And so that's always like how I felt about Silent Hill 3. It's like, oh, this is like the most complete game in that style, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting playing two and three back to back. I hadn't played either of them in a long time, and I was really it was really jarring going back to three and how like it like throws you in immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like the enemies are like kind of a little bit relentless, or their bullet sinks uh, in the beginning. There's like a f- fair amount not too many but there's a fair amount of instant deaths you know there's a there's a block button <laughs> which i like literally never use but yeah uh you know yeah there's it, it definitely leans more into the action than than two which is just uh big sad vibes you know yeah well and i do i want to make some comparisons here or just kind of talk about how some of these games compare because i think that's one of the really interesting things about Silent Hill 3 is how it compares to the games around it in its own series and outside, you know, comparing to other survival horror series. One thing that comes up when you talk, or it came up a lot in that other episode about Silent Hill 3 was like the combat. Like Mm -hmm. there is more combat. There are more weapons. Like you, you get a machine gun and it's, (laughs) it's not a cheat or a bonus. Like you just get that machine gun. Yep. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain about this. Like, what do you think about that as compared to Silent Hill 4? Because here's another question. Do you agree with me and, like, my take from the Silent Hill 4 episode that that game's combat is obnoxious? Yes, it, it, it is. Okay. Um, so how do you yeah. think Silent Hill 3 kind of compares? Even If, like, it has some of the same vibes, how do you think it compares? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been a bit since I've played four, but yeah, I, I think um my memory is that four has like a lot more like open ish areas, like little combat arenas, like like it almost like it's trying to have you think about combat in a more I don't know dynamic way where you know three like it's it's hallways mm-hmm. right like it's it's a lot of hallways and stuff um and so you like stand your ground <laughs> and, and shoot basically right um and there's not much maneuvering you know and i think four tried to either like have you be able to do more of that but it ends up being frustrating or you just have like that god-awful like um escalator sequence which uh. i like is burning my memory from the very first level in four yeah. Um, it's actually worse than you remember it. Like, as someone who's replayed it in the last year-ish, like, I knew it was coming. <laughs> and I was, yeah. like, bracing myself for, like, literally wanting to destroy the controller. Like, yeah. stay calm. And then it happened, and I was just like, this is horrible. <laughs> like, oh I was I was offended <laughs> all over again. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine my reaction would be the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think in three it's just straightforward, right? Like you, you know, find a corner, you like wrestle with the camera a little bit, you shoot, and you or you, you know, like time your melee weapon, and maybe you maneuver once, you know. Mm. And it's I don't know, it's it's straightforward. It feels like more than four. Yeah, well, and that's like a big thing with the whole game is that it's very straightforward. Yes, and I think that. You know, I don't want to just jump out the window and be like, every game is better when it's straightforward. But I've said before that like a big problem with games that try to open themselves up, either in a huge like open world kind of way or even in a smaller like open area or, you know, align themselves to be played out of order kind of way, mm-hmm. is that you start to introduce a bunch of design problems when you do that. Mm-hmm. And 4 has a shit ton of those problems. Like all the most annoying things from modern games that are too open worldy, like are absolutely within four. And I think with three, it's really cool because it's so linear that all of its ideas and its design elements just really work, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, so things like all the set pieces and the environments and the things that it, it's like trying to do, they all land because it's literally just, there's only one way to experience it. So like, yeah, like the thing that always stuck with me about Silent Hill three, I remember actually uh, when Monica and I got our first apartment, um, I got my PS two back and I played that game again. And she kind of like sat with me while I played a lot of it. And I remember saying to her, I was like the coolest thing about this game or like the scariest thing about it is that there's a ton of endless hallways and that yeah. was like one thing that we were both like super scared of and you know mm-hmm. more than like oh like a zombie or something it's like oh endless hallway terrified of endless hallways yeah and like that's a super effective thing that this game does that you can really only do in a very very linear and scripted game you know yeah and i yeah. think like contrasting that with 4 four just has so much of the game where you're wandering and where you're trying to move from area to area, you're trying to figure out what to do that. It's just, it's really boring. And because the game also has all these enemies and stuff, it's just really frustrating. Like, I don't think three is a super frustrating game. No, no, it, it only was at, at first when I, you know, cause just jumping back from two and how it's, you know, it's two is relatively combat light. I, I, I felt like, um, and yeah, you know, the dogs in three are like 
definitely annoying like the dogs in one mm-hmm. um but but other than like once you sort of like i don't know adjust or get used to that like it's it's not i mean it's yeah it's it's not frustrating like for would often get for sure yeah well that's another thing too another comparison i want to draw is that silent hill 3 is a sequel to silent hill 1 yes like famously um they picked up the story thread of the original game and they decided to complete it and you know continue the the misadventure of (laughs) harry henry whatever i literally can never remember his name (laughs) um uh but so they decided to do that but they also have gameplay references to it and so like a huge huge element of the original game is running around in the dark while like hordes of enemies run after you oh yeah and like i think that's something that people forget because it is really difficult to play the original silent hill now like Mm -hmm. there's no abandonware pc port there's very limited like console porting you know like even the the much maligned reissue that's you can play on ps4 like doesn't have the original game in it you know um Mm. so it's like yeah like it's hard to play that game so i think it's kind of receded into a lot of people's memories and like they just don't remember that a huge that was a huge part of that game so like every time that i've replayed this game i've felt that that was a very natural design choice because it's like oh they did it in the first one yeah i i remember as a as a kid, like I, you know, the first time I, first couple times I missed the, whatever the good ending, all the extra stuff you have to do in the first one. And then, uh, reading about, Oh, I have to spend more time like outside in the dark area, like yeah. running around. Like it was like so scary as a kid that I had to like run around for those freaking monkey men and yeah. uh, <laughs> whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. Similar vibes, just more, more narrow in three you know yeah for sure so yeah silent hill 3 is like an update on the first game in that regard and also just in kind of like the pacing and feel of it because like i think with silent hill 2 i know so many people love it and i definitely don't like it as much as most other people who are like as into horror games as i am Mm -hmm. i do think that i've always looked at silent hill 2 as like kind of a weird jaunt for the series you know like yeah it's the standalone story it has a different tone and feel it has a different you know gameplay style and i actually think that sound hill 3 to me seems to be more like a greatest hits of the series or it seems to more incorporate all the different aspects of the series than something like sound hill 2 Mm-hmm. I think there are also some weird choices within Silent Hill 2. Like, there's so much dead space and there's so much downtime in that game. Yeah. Of just like wandering around and not doing anything that doesn't really pay off, you know? So I think mm-hmm. that those are moments where the the viewer or the player can really interpret like what that means. Um, so I think that some people interpret that as like this amazing like atmosphere, this amazing like table setting right where it's like Mm -hmm. you're you're this lost man on this journey or whatever but like you can also interpret that as i am bored (laughs) (laughs) right and i'm not jumping out the window and saying that silent hill 2 is boring but like i have felt frequently bored while playing that game and like i've played it like 10 fucking times and 
sometimes I'm just like, I don't know why. Like, why do I keep replaying this game? Like, obviously, it's because it has great moments and it's like part of a great series that I love. But um, I think three takes a different approach that I like better in this context, where it's just like, let's fill all of those moments with weird shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was going to say, like, you replaying to feeling lost is like your Silent Hill 2 version of your own life. Yeah. Right? It's like you're just constantly like playing this game. You're not sure why. But anyway, um, <laughs> yes. I'm the Harry Henry now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's, there's really no wasted space in three you know i i think you know as you were saying that it made me realize like my least favorite parts of three were the um the the subway and the the sewer right afterwards because i I think that's the closest it comes to wasting space like there's some there's really cool stuff in those little areas but it I, i feel like once you get past that like there's it's it's just like yeah there's no wasted time or space um, yeah at all yeah yeah and i think like what makes three really special to me is that there are just so many of these little moments so like just off the top of my head like there's so many great moments where it's just like do you want to descend like down this huge area or like do you want to just walk through this like endless hallway or like there'll just be a weird little room that is ultimately kind of inconsequential, but it's just to show you something cool, you know? Like there's a really crazy one with a mirror where like you can sort of watch yourself be consumed by darkness. There's one with like a mannequin, you know, where it's just like starts bleeding everywhere and it gets really gross. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very psychedelic game uh, in that specific way where it's just like, it constantly is trying to disorient you and throw you off your axis and show you like weird fucked up stuff yeah yeah you're never comfortable mm-hmm. at all you know there's um in the alternate hospital like there's there's just a random room where i think maybe there's a safe point but like behind it there's like a severed hand holding onto like the window and she's yeah. like whoa that's a hand and it's just like it closes up on it and it's like it's so freaky mm-hmm. but it's like that's all it is it's just like yeah like just to unsettle you as you like search the level yeah well and i think one thing that really sprang to mind while while i was replaying it like for this episode is that you know last year huge horror release that i and a lot of other people were just losing their minds about was visage Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and like a lot of people pointed out that visage bears a strong influence from Silent Hill 4 uh, because there are explicit references to Silent Hill 4 in that game like kind of a lot but I think as much as that game draws from Silent Hill 4 in the way that it's first person and has you exploring these kind of mundane domestic spaces as they slowly degrade I actually thought it had a lot more in common with Silent Hill 3 in its strongest parts because in its strongest parts it's just constantly throwing weird little shit at you so like envisage the scene where all the kitchen appliances like start talking oh man yeah that was like this is textbook Silent Hill 3 like yeah Silent Hill 4 does not have enough of a sense of humor like Silent Hill 4 is a game about an angry incel <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> I mean yeah Silent Hill 4 is 
is a weirdly depressing game to return to like in that same meta way where you're like what am i doing with my life but like Silent Hill 3 is just weird and freaky it's constantly trying to fuck with you and it's frequently pretty hilarious yeah i'm, I'm glad you said that because i was i was realizing upon the replays just like yeah it's it just it's funny like yeah most of it's delivered through heather who is amazing you know mm-hmm. i i love her um but even like you know stuff like in the office building you come across some like painting that's like called like repressor of memories and she's like what a dumb name and then like you come back and it's like where the save point is you know like, yeah the, the red halo is like her trying to get her memories back and like you go into monica's dance studio in the other world and there's those two like giant huge fat insane cancer monsters yeah. to the dance studio for no reason it's just like like little visual jokes like that the weird happy birthday thing yeah you know, she, she she's constantly insult she insults everybody she comes across you know blondes have more fun like it's it's such a weird funny game yeah yeah okay so we need to talk about heather because yeah, gay icon <laughs> heather mason heather fucking rocks <laughs> yeah i think that's partially what really drew me into three the very first time i played it was oh she has a personality unlike harry and james who are like huh radio what's going on right she's she's like having reactions she's yelling she's cursing she's like calling things dumb yeah Yeah, she's great yeah yeah and i think that's a really important development for the series and it's something that it doesn't return to and even like its contemporaneous games don't really try to pick up uh but it's like the secret sauce of the game I think it's the glue that holds the game together. Like, yeah. is that you have this wild protagonist who's super weird and funny and irreverent. She's constantly entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, like, I've talked about a lot how I don't really view these games as having, like, strong, concrete narratives. Like, I don't think the things that happen are important. Um, Mm -hmm. but the way that the events are presented, the way that things happen, I think is still important. So like, if you have an entertaining protagonist, then it makes the game just like so much more fun to play. I think the only one that comes to mind, and maybe I'll think of more as this episode goes on, but like the only one that really jumps to my mind right away is like Sebastian Castellanos from Mm. Evil Within. And it like, he's just hilarious. Like, and sometimes not even intentionally, but like, mm-hmm. I just like, I think that really sells me on a game like this. Cause like, yeah, like totally do I care what happens? No, absolutely yeah. not. But <laughs> do I want to see Heather go through a literal hell world while like sassing everybody? She <laughs> yeah. And saying some stuff that is just like really mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, that's so funny. Like, oh, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. There's, um, what, so one of the things in the HD, whatever, is that they have new voice acting and, and it's, it's not as effective, you know, Heather's especially, which is kind of sad. Um, cause I felt okay. like the original, like her line deliveries were just like so, like, it's just so scathing, you know? Yeah. Um, there's, I, like, one of my favorites is the first time she meets Vincent and, uh, 
you know, she's like, I, I knew you were in leagues with Claudia or whatever. It's like, oh, how do you know? And she was like, it, it, like, it, like the camera like closes in on her face, and she's like, because you're crazy like her too. And she just walks <laughs> out of the room and just walks away from him. It's it's so good. Yeah, um, she has moments like that with everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's like they try to make an audience proxy who is super self-aware and super mean. And like, I do think this actually gets to something about protags in video games that I think is really interesting because the player, if they want to identify with a protagonist, they have to basically admit to themselves uh, how they see themselves. Right? Like, they have to sort of in their mind decide, like, do I see myself or do I want to see myself as like a stoic man who's a survivor? Or do I want to see myself as this kind of snarky, weird, irreverent character? Like, how do I see myself? And I think that a lot of Silent Hill fans had kind of been used to seeing themselves like as the sort of stoic man. And so when they made a game that not only has a protag, but has like a really strong audience proxy protag who is, well, she's a girl and she's really sassy and she hates everything and she's really mean. I think that like there's a certain part of the audience that's like, fuck yeah, dude, that rocks. And then there's another part of the audience that's like, how am I supposed to relate to this? Like, I'm not any of those things. (laughs) right i have no emotions how am i supposed to yeah yeah (laughs) so it's like it's you know it is heather actually a gay icon (laughs) uh i would say yeah Uh, thank you yeah yeah no she's she's sassy she doesn't take shit from anybody she's self-aware she like has a machine gun she kills god you know she like (laughs) you know after like the danger's over, she like pranks the one guy who's been helping her by making him think she's gonna kill him. Oh my god, so funny, so fucking yeah. funny! What a funny fucked up thing to do. I know, I know. And then says blondes have more fun. Like right <laughs> after that, like come on, like yeah, yeah, amazing. Oh yeah, it rocks. And I, I think it's funny to me because personally, I don't feel the need to like relate to every protagonist in a a fictional work that I encounter. Um, So when I do, I actually think it's something really special. And so that's why like, if people like don't like Silent Hill 3, I'm like personally offended. Cause I'm like, how could you not (laughs) like deeply relate to this character? Like, yeah. How could you not see yourself being this way in this scenario? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, you know, I obviously like her, her sassiness is like, you know, the highlights, but there's a lot of her internal monologue as you like, you know, inspect things that it's, it's very um, like, she's horrified, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of her inner monologue. And like, there's one where she comes across a dead body and she's like, Oh my God, I like, I, I get, I think this place is desensitizing me. I almost didn't react, you know, like it's just a quick little line of dialogue, but it's one, it's, it's unlike anything, any of the other protagonists of the Silent Hill games would comment on but two it's you know it's it's real it's like something someone in that situation would actually say um so she's like scared and horrified to herself and angry and pissed off to those around her which is totally makes complete sense you know yeah no that's a really good point i think that 
like when I say or when we say that like Heather's a good character, it's kind of deeper than that. It's like she actually has an inner world or like mm-hmm. something going on within her, which is not something I would say about literally any other Silent Hill or Resident Evil protagonist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, okay, one thing that's interesting too about comparing Heather to other protagonists is I think that there is a branch of survival horror kind of, it's very small, but that did sort of branch off of Silent Hill and go on to do its own thing. And that's sort of like the anti-survival horror games. I'm thinking of games like Clock Tower 3, Haunting Grounds, and Siren. And in all of those games... The point is that they try to make you like helpless. They try and mm-hmm. really subvert the trope of you being like a badass or having a bunch of guns or whatever. And also, I guess, either as an intentional thing or as a weird, unfortunate byproduct, they also really like to sensationalize the characters. So, like, you know, they'll put them in skimpy outfits or they'll like, you know, very graphically show them dying or things like mm-hmm. that. And they pretty much all uniformly try to make it so that the characters don't have like an internal monologue or like anything really like going on besides like what's very obvious on the surface. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is also an interesting thing about Silent Hill 3 because it hits that point before that's even like an idea or a thought. So it's like, oh, like, of course we're going to do this game in this style. You're going to ultimately have some kind of power and your character is going to have, like, a really interesting personality. That is interesting because constantly, constantly throughout the whole game, like, her inner monologue about her own memories or her horror or her fear or her confusion or her disgust is just, it it never stops. You know, you, you always know what she's thinking. Yeah, and that's, like, that's unique amongst any game but especially like i said i think looking at contemporaneous games mm-hmm. in the style you like super super didn't get that and sometimes you got like the exact opposite of that yeah 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 which is it's just so strange i and you know i loved heather and that experience and getting to know her so it's it's you would think right that that trend would continue on because it to me, emotionally, it just works so well. It, it almost seems self-evident, like, oh, of course. This, of course, is the thing that would be continue to be carried on, but it's strange and disappointing it's not. Yeah, well, I think also, though, that there are so many things that have, like, hamstrung video game storytelling, and I think a big one is that thing I mentioned earlier where, like, there is this imagined, like, male dude man, <laughs> <laughs> and, like there's also the the supposition that like the male dude man needs to identify with the character on screen whatever the Mm. character does says feels maybe uh needs to reinforce (laughs) that association and that's why you have all these bland fucking characters because it's like oh like this needs to be this way and you know it's like even in resident evil you know, there are moments where characters try to exhibit more personality or do more, but it's all so stupid and it's also so tone deaf where it's like, like, why does Leon hate women? Right. <laughs> like, Leon doesn't need to hate women. No, no, not at all. The only person who helped him out in the original 
crisis was a woman who was more capable than him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so it's just like, that's not an interesting quirk. (laughs) Like, I guess maybe this is a, this is a, my writer's workshop here. (laughs) Writers, misogyny (laughs) is not an interesting quirk. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but then you look at you look at Heather, and it's just like, oh yeah, this is like a great character, or yeah, you know. Once again, I think like Sebastian from Evil Within is a great character because he's like, he's like that kind of dude man taken so far to the extreme that literally nothing he says makes sense. Yeah, you know. I think that's also why I like the. I've been talking about this a lot in the Discord lately. I love the protagonist Deacon St. John from Days Gone because, like, I don't know, man. It's almost like he was teleported in from Spawn or something like super grim dark because it's like literally nothing he says makes sense. He's so male and angry. That, like, <laughs> he just speaks a different language from anyone else on Earth and. God, it's so fucking funny. And, like, that's so much better than, like, you know, like, the characters in Resident Evil 6, a game I admittedly enjoy. Like, yeah, everything they say, you understand it, and it you hate it. Yeah. But, like, characters like that, you're just like, God, this is fucking funny, dude. Like, I like this. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Yeah, you know, I I know you've talked about, like, Resident Evil also being, playing off a lot of, like, 80s tropes and, like, action movies, and it's sort of like it, like, like, as much as, like, the theories is grown it has never like its characters have never gotten out of that it feels like which is kind of bizarre yeah totally i mean you can play the latest game in the series and it's still the exact same i like yeah the resident evil 3 remake felt like a huge tectonic shift just because carlos isn't quite as misogynistic as he was in the original yeah, he like he hits on Jill like four times, and that's an improvement from the original. Yeah, from Potato Man or Sex Predator Steve from Code Veronica, which I've just uh, I've just decided is officially canon. That's his name. Yeah, yeah, like, that's that's accurate. God, like what? What are these choices? But so I think even within silent hill though because you know obviously we could sit here and just dunk on like resident evil characters all day except for mm-hmm. barry i love that barry too close. <laughs> you were almost a jill sandwich defend You're barry right. at all costs <laughs> yeah. thanks for saving my life but i think even within the silent hill series it's like silent hill was trying to hit before and after this game was trying to hit this particular tone of like white midwestern everyman mm-hmm who descends into hell world Mm -hmm. and i think that's interesting for a game or two but even in my opinion silent hill 2 kind of showed the the limitations of that or it kind of showed like how far you can take it because the character who is the star of that game ultimately like isn't relatable at all yeah in any way 
And so I, that's like another thing I, I kind of question too, where like people talk about how like emotional it is, but it's like, is it like this guy's a freak? <laughs> like the circumstances of of this game are weird, you know? Like yeah, he's a certified freak. <laughs> seven days a yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then like Sound Hill Three, Heather is like relatable as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The you know, like that's probably one of the limitations of to storytelling is that if the twist came earlier, right? Like then we would know more about the protagonist and maybe could explore him more. But he had to stay bland until in service of the twist, you know, that he killed his wife. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but with Heather, like you know, it's like it's not like it's either telegraphed or like heavily implied she's harry mason's daughter mm-hmm. like either in hour in hour one if not hour two and like that's it that's there, there's you know she could just be herself like in service of the story there's no like twister like story limitations you know she is who she is from the get-go yeah no for sure and i also think it's kind of interesting that people still cling to Silent Hill 2 so much when I kind of read it as like the destruction of the Silent Hill protag trope. Like if mm. there is something that's like very brilliant or artful about it, to me it would be that like they looked at the trope that they had created and were like, okay, let's entirely subvert it. Mm. After you've done that, you can't really go back like you can't yeah. just go back to being like, well, yes, it's a series where a bunch of Hank Hills, you know, <laughs> blah their way through a hell world. Like, and so it's just sort of odd that people seem to like that and and cling to that, and also that there would be anyone who would reject Heather because Heather, uh, Heather, I know. Heather rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Heather rocks. I think James is also kept bland because you know I think like Eddie and Angela and Maria are more or less like foils for him to like decide, do I forgive myself? Do I blame somebody else? Do I take ownership of mm-hmm. my responsibility? Um, and, it, and as a result, like there's no real character development right. in James other than like him realizing what he's done. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like James is, is more of a symbol than anything else. Yeah. You know, of other characters. Well, and I think that's another reason why I don't mind the kind of tonal whiplash within Silent Hill 3. It's partially that and partially, like I said, it feels like a greatest hits of the series. Mm -hmm. But I don't mind the fact that it goes from really, really dark, really psychedelic horror to just like weird, goofy nonsense. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I actually think it kind of sets the tone for the whole game you know like the fact that you are this funny irreverent character um in this hell world that is the whole tone of the game and like yeah she actually has a lot of character development and she goes on this journey like from being kind of like a sullen teen to basically being like an action hero yeah but i also think that the game is so not just purely an action game that that development is mostly done through her character so like mm-hmm. at the end it's really badass that she wins not because like you shoot a bunch of bullets at a big spider demon baby like <laughs> it's badass because she just like mouths off to everyone and like you know just 
just like jumps into the fray and is like whatever fuck you guys like this is bullshit like she's an emotional gangster to make another cardi b reference i guess is what i'm trying to say (laughs) yeah yeah she has two main motivations in the game which is one which is get home Mm -hmm. which is the first half of the game and then the second one is adventure father and like like those are her like primary motivations and she is like pissed off the first half and sad and pissed off the second half yeah exactly get money get even who can't relate to that like right yeah <laughs> like come yeah. the fuck on we've all been yeah <laughs> we've all been there <laughs> well yeah. yeah that's i think once again to kind of bring it back to my like peak survival horror theory i think that's why i like this game so much as well is that it has a really good like journey both in a physical space where you start off in unfamiliar environments and then you end in like very familiar environments and you kind of go backwards like through the series. Um, But also there's like this emotional journey that the player goes on with the character of like seeing what happens to her, accepting what happens to her, like trying to complete the journey. And that's the kind of shit that keeps you playing a game. Like, Mm -hmm. I think once again, if you compare it to contemporaneous games, like it's contemporaries just don't have that vibe like yeah it's really just still mining the original resident evil trope of big mansion has lots of rooms what's in the next room you know like Mm -hmm. and i think that this game is so unlike that and it's so much more like a weird funhouse ride with the linearity and the fact that it keeps showing you weird shit that it's just awesome and like yeah it's it's very singular yeah yeah it has like a literal like scary fun house <laughs> at one point yeah you know uh which feels very like it by the time that happens it's it's it just fits so well into like the feeling of the theme like it's this really hokey narrator right you know delivering dumb spooky lines and then you get to a room that could like actually kill you yeah. <laughs> right and they're like it's like okay this is like the tone of the game like all in one yeah totally well i think there's also like an argument to be made here that's like sound hill 3 is the most effective at horror in the series because you have to consider what the series does to create horror right like there's dark running around from enemies you know tension there's show you creepy thing (laughs) tension (laughs) and there's i mean that's kind of it right like And so it's like, well, this game excels at that. And a lot of times it uses the fact that it's so weird and goofy to do that. So I, I don't know. I, I guess like I, I do strongly reject the notion that it's like not creepy or that it's not like a, an effective horror game or something because it has jokes and it has a main character who's really like jokey, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I like like one in three, but, it, but both of them like are really like unsettling and uncomfortable um just just to play and three a lot of it is um uh, a big part of it is like the music like the sound design of the music it it's just like such overwhelming like for me for some reason to me it's a shortcut of like whenever the enemies are on screen like i have to kill all of these to make the soundtrack stop yeah i have to do this right now (laughs) Um, it's super effective that way that was something that i did talk about in the other episode that i think this has the best sound design in the series because Mm -hmm. it goes back to the first game's nonsensical sound design but it does it in hi-fi 
So like in the first game, it's all rendered in lo-fi. So sometimes there's weird noises and weird things happening, but you can't quite place it because it's like totally run through like an old sampler or something and just smashed to pieces. But like in this game, everything is very clear and distinct. And that just makes it worse because you're just like, oh, that is like a baying hellhound that I cannot see. Where is that? And it's like, it's nowhere. It's just a sound clip that like you know, Akira Yamoka put in the game to fuck with you. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Random rooms having like monsters in the background or howling or whatever. Just like, all right. Yep. <laughs> you're, you're not safe. Yeah. Anywhere. Well, and also like a weird trick that they use throughout the series. Like it didn't start with this game, but is like giving you kind of like a breather room. Like, when you finish it, a more like calm piece of music will play or something that's a little more like melodic and listenable will play. And this game is full of those. Like, I think this game's soundtrack, another thing I talk about in the other episode a lot is how much I love this game's soundtrack. It's like yeah. so good. It's full mm-hmm. of those. It's like the Silent Hill pop album that you didn't know you needed, <laughs> but that stands in really stark contrast to the sound design being really fucked up. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, all right, you can listen to this now, but like in two minutes, you're going to hear a baby crying and you're going to be scared. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You are not going to like going to this hallway. Yeah. That works for me like really well. Every playthrough it, it gets me. Um, yeah, I think the other world is like greatly oppressive and dark and bloody and, you know, the right ways. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. Yeah. No, it's, it is a very like scary tense game. And like, I think by design, like, because you're in the first quote unquote level, like immediately, like you're running through, you know, something at all times. And, uh, as compared to like one or two, which have these giant open sections, you're wandering around the town and da da da. Like there's like one section of that, like total, you know, in three. Yeah. That's something I actually really like about the game once again, that it's like, cause it's like everything has a purpose. Every set piece is there for a reason. And yeah, I feel like, so this is kind of like the end of the original series because Silent Hill 4 was developed at the same time and is more or less like a side story. So in terms of mm-hmm. like big main series game, it's kind of like the last one that they got to be really innovative and do different things in. And I think that's a really interesting choice to make to say like, let's make it a really tightly wound kind of like fun house ride. Let's make everything have a purpose and let's make it less kind of open and slow paced than the previous games. Like Mm -hmm. that's a style and a choice that I appreciate because I think in the first two games, once you've played them enough, you don't really lean into those exploration sections because there isn't a whole lot to explore. Like, yeah, you know, in the first game, there's like one extra thing you need to do um, to get the good ending. And there's some extra items stashed around. But in the second game, there's like nothing weirdly. Yeah. Like the wandering open parts of the second game feel less like uh, useful to the design than they do in the first game. So I actually think it's cool in this game. They're like, nah, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're in it. Go for it. Get into it. Yeah. Um, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I think um, also like you're saying everything has a point, like, you know, the whole, as much, you know, like the whole actual plot of, you know, whatever, but the themes of like, you know, 
motherhood, pregnancy, et cetera, I think are even woven in some of the set design where some of the other world rooms feel like you're in an amniotic sack, right? That has like blood pulsing on the walls, you know, like there's like big versions and baby versions of like most of the monsters, mm-hmm. you know, like there's like kind of subtle, like, like they, you know, it, it has a point other than just to be like, Ooh, bloody walls, you know? Yeah. And I, and it's done in a way that I think is like pretty tasteful all told. That's like another thing about this game that I think is like a real Marvel is that it's a game that stars a teenage girl where like pregnancy is a big theme and mm-hmm. it's not just like super fucking tasteless the whole time. And yeah. like, I, you know, points for that. Cause like the fandom can't even achieve that because like, there's just <laughs> so many people who are just like, Oh, everything's just all like legs and asses. And like, and it's like just reading that into like every single game in the series. And it's like, no, this is the one I think where they actually managed to like weave these themes in and actually do it in a, in a pretty tasteful way. And that's, that's really impressive to me. Yeah. 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 And I, I think um, this whole thing of like, even just like a side motif of like, she didn't ask for any of this. Right. And like these people are, this cult is forcing her against her will to like have this baby <laughs> that she doesn't want or didn't even know she had. Right. Like kind of like intense, ridiculous themes but like i don't know like it it doesn't spend too much time on it in a weird way i guess right yeah Um, and i talked about that in the original episode but i i think once again it's something that i am impressed with especially after replaying four and i think i think four is just gross like (laughs) i could not break out of the idea that four is a game about incels and it's for incels yeah yeah it's not a it's not a huge critique (laughs) yeah and so it's just kind of like i don't know playing that game and then you compare it to this game and you're like oh wow this this is actually done really well and like having this character in this storyline doesn't like ruin the game she has the agency from like scene one and like yeah you never doubt her her abilities and the game never does either right the game is always on her side it's just really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like it's better than so much of its contemporary games. Like and this once again, so I think lately I've been going back and playing a lot of games that are contentious or that people don't like or whatever and it's kind of like I feel like people pick stuff to not like just based on their own expectations rather than the product itself. Like one thing that occurred to me, because like on the Patreon, you know, Justin and I have been talking about the band Deftones a lot. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. Deftones are a band that are constantly defined by their relationship to new metal. And it's mostly mm-hmm. because fans have always kind of been like, well, Deftones are good because they're like the anti new metal band. And it's just like this weird thing where it's like they don't care about that. Like that's not a part mm-hmm. of who they are or why they make music. Like if you, you should just like this thing because it's good. I feel like with Silent Hill, people are like, oh, you know, Silent Hill's good because it's not like Resident Evil. You know, oh, Silent Hill's different. It's it's smarter. It's the thinking man's survival horror game or something. It's like, <laughs> no, it's fucking not, dude. Like, it's just <laughs> another game with dopey characters and weird line deliveries. And, like, some of them are just really fun to pick up and play. And some of them, like, kind of aren't, you know? Yeah. And I think that Silent Hill 3 is, is just, like, the peak of that, like, 
it's fun to pick up and play while also being weird and artsy and having these film references and just being really nice to look at because there's great visual design and there's color and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I feel like none of the other games in the series really hit that note, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, 2 is trying, 2 takes itself for the most part really seriously, right? And, uh, like, really tries to say something with this twist and these characters and have it being really character-driven, which I think, you know, I, I, I really like, too, but, um, you know, it's it's harder to, like, replay it a bunch yeah, compared to 3, because, yeah, I think, like you said, like, it's how about it's like how about we just have a really basic story girl gets revenge on colt right and um you know put all the rest of our time and energy and like everything else about it and i think it it pays off in that way yeah totally yeah i think that's that's kind of the magic of it is that it's just like it's just good (laughs) yeah yeah and you know of um yeah, like like you uh, talking about like uh, video games being you know interactive and storytelling. That's their strength, right? And you know, and her commentary and stuff is where you can get all of that if you want it. You can skip it if you are if you don't want it, you know. And um, but it's it's there and it's enjoyable. But otherwise, if you do all that, do skip all that. Like it's just it's creepy and dark and oppressive and fun and strange and you know all that stuff engrossing yeah well that's something I talk about a fair amount on the show but I like always want to talk more about because it's just like such a big sticking point for me is that like I love games that are just video games first in the sense Mm -hmm. that they can communicate all of their thoughts and ideas and themes like without having to resort to a cutscene or some sort of piece of multimedia to like convey that idea to you and like mm. this game is really good at that because you get so much of her like internal monologue and you kind of get inside her head just through playing the game. And so mm-hmm. I think that's always more successful to me than something that has to keep stopping you to like like tell you what the characters think and feel or whatever. And so that's always going to be like a strength to me with this game where it's like oh it's a really good video game (laughs) you know yeah and i think when you go back it's like the first game in the series is so embryonic that doesn't even really have that as part of the game and the second game it's a lot clunkier i think than people remember you know and also some of the same moments from the second game that are like really land are in this game like all your conversations with um vincent are like weird and they call into question like your perception of the game and like what is the reality of the game and like that's the kind of shit that people go nuts for in Silent Hill 2 it's like oh yeah this game has that too and I actually think it's more effective just because like you care what this character thinks as opposed to you know anyone else in the series I don't care what they think yeah I know like like that uh that conversation with one of the best lines of the game of the you know they look like monsters to you and um and her like recoil and horror right because like as much as she wants to get revenge she like is a regular person right like she's like not interested in being rambo and then like the idea that like oh you're in here killing dozens of people indiscriminately is like actually horrifying to her yeah right um and then even as i like replay the game i'm like wow some of these monsters like 
do look like people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, is he right? Like he said, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. And like the whole point of Silent Hill is that everybody sees something different. So I think it's a really interesting play on that idea. And mm-hmm. once again, that's something that I think before was either done in sort of a clunky way and after was just completely dropped. Like, yeah, Silent Hill 4 doesn't have anything like that. The ones after it are just, I don't really think they have anything like that either. They're a lot more straightforward, just like action stories. And so yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, this is actually a really cool idea. And the thought that you could be this like hero who's actually a villain, but who's also really relatable, like there's just so much more to think about and to latch on to with this game. That's what I think it comes down to in the end with me is like, there's a lot going on and I really like all of it. But then it's also like the complexity of Heather and what she thinks and what she goes through is just way more interesting than anything in two. Like I spent the whole mm-hmm. fucking episode that I did about Silent Hill 2 talking about how like every character in that game breaks down to like a really bad stereotypical trope. And so the fact that people still laud it as like great storytelling or whatever, it just drives me up the wall. Cause it's like, you've got like the adult woman who's actually a hurt and scared little girl inside. You've got like the sort of gluttonous bullied, like fat kid, you know, Mm. you've got the, the wife who is like portrayed as like this weird dichotomy of like Madonna and whore. Mm -hmm. I mean, what else do you want? Do you want more? Like, it's just like so fucking hacky that it's like, I can appreciate it as a step forward for video games. I can appreciate yeah. it as an important game. I can even enjoy the game. But like the fact that people would like anybody would hold that up and be like, this is so like perfect. It's like, can I introduce you to a book? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty much any book. Cause like, yeah. If you want a book that is that like juvenile, you can find one anywhere. If you want one that actually has interesting writing, interesting characters, you can find one anywhere. So it's like, I sort of like resent the idea that Silent Hill 3, and I even presented this in the original Silent Hill 3 episode because I was just like so fucking annoyed by the end of it where I was like, it's just goofy fun (laughs) to quote the the movie adaptation. I was like, you know, (laughs) it's like, it's the dumb fun tunnel. But like, honestly, I totally reject that because I think that it actually has a lot more going on under the hood. It has more interesting characters and characterization than Silent Hill 2. And I think it's just a better story. It's just a better tale. Yeah, everything is told through Heather's eyes and reactions, right? Her experiences are, they're textured, they're interesting, you know who she is. And yeah, like I said, like that kind of interesting inner dichotomy of through the gameplay, we get to see her inner world. And then the cutscene says, you know, all of the, external stuff yeah too it uses that very well right and we don't get an internal world of james and two which you know even again like you're saying even if maybe we had one would still not make the other characters less tropey right yeah yeah whereas like heather feels very very fleshed out she's she's a real character and there's a lot going on around her. And I think that's another thing too, is like when people talk about three, it's always like, oh, there's this cult storyline. It doesn't make any sense and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is Heather. It's all about Heather. It's the fact that she's thrust yeah. in this weird fucked up situation. Like her dad's dead. She has this fucking demon implanted inside her. It's like, that's insane. And yeah. the fact that the game gives her time and space to like say how she feels about things and just like be this weird sassy teenager is like actually cool. 
that's actually interesting too. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand how like Silent Hill Two is more interesting than that, just because like everybody's sad. Everybody like either did a bad thing or had bad things done to them, and they're having trouble accepting it. And is kind of like the you know the through line, yeah, of all those characters. Which again is is could be fine, but we get so we what we get is kind of surface level of that, you know, versus like yeah, she yeah Heather's thrust into an insane situation and has re- realist as realistic reactions as she possibly could. Yeah, to them, you know. Yeah, I think Silent Hill Two at the end of the day is like I said in the Last of Us Two episode. It's basically like emotional torture porn. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're really into that, I, you <laughs> should really talk to a professional because it's just, <laughs> it's not cool. And like, yeah, like I like some stuff that I think falls into that category, like for other reasons, like it's like, okay, this is just like good, even though it has this weird, like edgy, yeah, like, you know, everybody is fucked up kind of vibe. But like, I just think to hold that above other games in the series because of that is like pathological <laughs> at this yeah. point and it, and it really bums me out whenever you start talking about other games in the series because it's like why why does everything have to be like worse than that game because like when you were 13 it really like you know pushed a button for you like you're not 13 anymore I assure you <laughs> well <laughs> yeah. unless you're that one kid you're not 13 I know for you're a fact right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah like so just come on like grow up and also like i don't know i think too like if you can't accept that horror can also have elements of comedy and elements of irreverence in it then yeah you probably also like really annoying stuff like i'm just gonna jump out the window and say that like you probably just like only watch like weird once again like torture porn movies and it's like Mm -hmm. That I couldn't be like further from that as a person, you know what yeah. I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think of it like you know, uh, like quote unquote mainstream horror, right? Like the the kind of stuff that gets a lot of like you know attention and stuff is is stuff that also has like an element of like you know drama to it or like sadness, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, which is you know fine and, and good, but it's it's this weird like thing of you know it like those emotions are like i don't know prized or seen as more prestigious if if a work of art causes you them instead of like horror or humor yeah yeah like those are somehow cheaper than like sadness or whatever yeah no totally and it's it's interesting because like two of the best horror movies i've seen of the last i don't know how many years um now both kind of have a similar vibe and I'm thinking of Your Next. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Your Next, and I'm thinking also of... I think it's called Ready or Not. Oh, yes. You know, I love that one, too. Yeah. Yes. On theaters. So both of those movies have a similar vibe where they're basically survival stories about a character who is kind of like a fish out of water in a fucked up family situation mm-hmm. and then has to fight off a bunch of enemies to try and survive right and i think what's interesting is that both movies use a fucked up family 
situation as a backdrop, but it's not the point of the movie. Like, right. it's almost just used as a setting that they know will be relatable to the audience because everybody's family is fucked up. Yeah. And I think that's like such a cool device. But yeah, it's kind of like what you're saying, where like both of those movies are irreverent and have elements of humor in them, despite how like dark and really violent both movies are. Um, and I do think that there are definitely people for whom that would be like a turnoff or something that would make the movie like lesser than something like Hereditary, which is a movie I really don't like that is all about fucked up families. And it like just it's once again, it's emotional torture porn about fucked up families. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Ready or not. And uh, you're next. Right. Like have no interest in like getting into the pathos and like the deep tortured, you know, family histories like through the main characters it's just it's shorthand for like like yep she's the outsider here and she's gonna have to deal with it yeah um and then it becomes like fun and interesting and scary you know yeah exactly i feel like heather is kind of a similar protagonist and Silent Hill 3 is a similar story because it's just like you know this character you maybe are this character or like you know that feeling of like being like a disaffected teenager like and that that i think is a really like powerful thing that's a really good storytelling technique yeah yeah it's and it's yeah it's a great vibe it doesn't pretend to get into the you know like like, you know when she finds out her dad dies she like cries and she's upset and she's like all right i'm gonna kill claudia (laughs) she she, like literally says and like that's it you know it's it's not like further into like her deep existential grief about her father because that's not what this game is right right that's not what the story is you know well and that's also like i'm gonna argue that that's not really what video games do best either like Mm -hmm. i feel like stuff like the last of us or like the last of us 2 really tries to do that like it's a movie thing and it's like Mm -hmm. oh like here's the flashback to you know when she's a kid and like here's this emotional backstory and blah blah and it's like maybe that lands with you and maybe it doesn't but either way you're not really playing a video game anymore Mm -hmm. um and so it's always going to be less effective in my opinion like i think like you said like Silent Hill 3 is a scary video game first and it's got all these other ideas and things that it wants to explore but at its core it's a scary video game it's supposed to be fun and engaging and exciting and all this stuff is supposed to happen while you're playing the game not while you're watching a cutscene right right yeah I I agree um although it, you know <laughs> uh, it made me think of what you were just saying with like until dawn which a a a game i i love for some reason uh-huh. <laughs> um, right it's very like you know it's not it's it's trying really hard not to be a video game but uh but part of it is why i think i like it is because it never tries hard to be serious either like it knows it's a fun schlocky story yeah you know it never tries to be really serious um but uh yeah i guess it's like a you know that kind of vibe i think works you know um, yeah. In video games, yeah. Well, and I think with with Until Dawn, and I mean, that's a game I'm still interested in playing and covering, even though I hated Man of Medan. Like, yeah. that's the reason why. And I kind of finally put that together after, like, talking to enough people about it. It's like, oh, it's because it's, like, fun and schlocky. Man of Medan is not fun. 
Like, mm. Made of Medan makes that weird alteration to the vibe and the characters and the dialogue where it's just like, this isn't cute or fun or like a throwback to the 90s or anything. Like, these characters are just horrible people and I wish they would shut the fuck up, you know? Mm. And like, this game is just bad. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I think that is kind of like, that's a big change um, that makes a huge difference in this kind of game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Heather Heather knows what video game she's in. Yeah. I mean just <laughs> Heather just knows what's up, dude. <laughs> <laughs>